All right, guys, we are continuing our teaching in the book of Genesis. We are now in chapter 13. But before we get started, let's do a very quick review once again. Chapter 12, we know that we had the call of Abram leave from his father's house and the household of his family and go into the land of Canaan. He did not know what it would be, but he discovered that it would be the land of Canaan. He obeyed God by faith. And that's when we give Abram those wonderful marks of praise that he did obey God. He went into the land of promise and there he found the Canaanites were there also in the land. But nevertheless, he established a system of worship. That is, he erected an altar to Yahweh, to the Lord in the midst of of the Canaanites there in the land. And no soon as he got into the land, God gave him his first test, which he failed miserably. You have to keep in mind, it was the mindset and intent of God that Abram should not only go to the land of Canaan, but also remain in the land of Canaan. So it's, so the form of testing that God used was by allowing a severe drought which would cause a famine in the land to come. Abram did not rely upon the Lord for his sustenance or deliverance, but he failed and he ended up going down into the land of Egypt, almost losing his wife. God has to rescue Sarah from the harem of the Pharaoh and restore her back to Abram in order to keep the Abrahamic promise. That's the Genesis 12, one through three. He had to protect that promise by restoring Abram's wife and Abram therefore received his wife back to him, keeping the promise intact. And now we enter into chapter 13, where we find that Abram is going to end up right back where he started, which is simply to say, he should have stayed where he was in the first place and would not have created so many problems for himself. A problem that we will see later on as we move into chapter 16. But right now, we're not there yet. So let's just go into chapter 13 and we're going to simply look at when Abram and his nephew Lot separate. And we're going to look at that particular section. All right. So let's go 13 and 1. So Abram went up from Egypt. He went up from Egypt to the Negev. The Negev is the southern tip of the promised land. That's where he had, if you look in chapter 12, he had already went to the southern tip of the promised land, looking things over also in his migratory patterns for pasture land for his animals. But nevertheless, let's just go back into the reading. So he went up from Egypt to Negev. That is, he is now back into the promised land. He and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot with him. So now verse simply just says, verse number one, he went right back to the very place that he left in the first place. And that is the southern region of the promised land. And it also talks about his wife that he took with him, the wife that was restored back to him that we just talked about. Okay. And now we also mention Lot. 
Lot also went down with him in Egypt. That was the assumption, even though it was not mentioned. But Lot, remember, Lot was his brother's, his brother who died, Haran, nephew, who was under the authority, who went along, went also along with Abram when he went into the promised land. So we are introducing Lot here because Lot is going to become a key figure also in the discussion of the text. All right. So verse number two. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So he was enriched. Remember, when Abram lost his wife, Pharaoh called himself giving Abram a reward for his sister so that he may marry his sister. Remember, Pharaoh enriched Abram with livestock as well as male and female servants. So Abram already, he already had a certain degree of wealth. But Pharaoh's contribution to Abram for his wife made him even wealthier and as well as he had silver and gold. So we can kind of see the material blessing, the material effect of remember the Genesis 12. I bless those who bless you. Christa. We can kind of see that material effect beginning to happen with Abraham already as he is increasing in material possessions. Okay. So rich in livestock and silver and gold as well. Verse three, he went on his journeys from the Negev, the South Southern region, as far as Bethel. Now pay attention to this part, guys, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. In other words, he ended up back to the very same place he had left before. Now, wait a minute. I thought there was a famine. There was a drought in that same place. It was, but God lifted it up. God relieved all of that. What is the point? You should have stayed in the spot where you were in the first place and waited, dependent on God to give you the aid instead of Abraham trying to figure out what's necessary for him to do to save his life. Point, where did God send him to the promised land? Where did God want him to stay? In the promised land. What happened when trouble came? And we know God engineered the trouble as a trying, a testing of his faith, as a growing of his faith to show Abraham where he needed to be and where he was not. But nevertheless, when these things did come to try him, what did he do? He failed the test. In the end, where did he end up? Back in the same place where he was. If so, God had to do what he had to provide for him in that place. And he wanted Abraham to see that. But the bottom line is Abraham, like all of us, he had to learn these things and we have to learn these things the hard way. But anyway, the point is he's back to the same place where he was before between Bethel and Ai verse number uh, uh, to the place of the altar, which where he had made formerly. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now let me go over that point again. He's back to the place, verse number four, of the altar. Remember the altar that he, we talked about, he erected in the midst of the Canaanites in chapter 12, the place where he instituted for himself a form of public worship amongst or in the midst of the Canaanites. 
He's back at that same place, that place where it just said in the midst of those two regions called Bethel and Ai. And notice now, here's the thing I want you guys to catch. And there, Abram called on the name of the Lord. This is not only a reinstitution or revival of worship, but this is also an indication of an act of repentance because of failure. In other words, Abraham says to God, I know I never should have left the land that you told me to stay in, but nevertheless, I'm back. Forgive me. <laughs> but anyway, so he's back. He has been restored to the land and now life continues. So now let's read as the situation begins to develop between Abram and Lot, his nephew. Verse number five. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So we also know that Lot had a degree of wealth too. Notice he had both flocks, herds. When it mentions the tents, you're really talking about the servants of Lot. And we'll see that come in to play as we move on through the text. But when we talk about the tents of Lot, that means Lot not, Lot not only had the material wealth, but he also had wealth of servants or in other words, slaves. Okay. But now let's continue. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. Uh, uh, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling there then in the land. So what had happened? Okay. We've already mentioned the wealth of Abram. Now we've mentioned the wealth of Lot, okay? And notice it said the Lot could not sustain them dwelling together because they were so wealthy. So what had happened was, and this is what verse number seven says, the strife did not take place between personally Abram and Lot, but between their servants. They were both, that means the slaves, the servants of Abram were looking out for Abram and the servants of Lot were looking out for Lot. So as they both have these great herds growing of lot of livestock, they're beginning to clash because it's not enough land. And the reason why it's not enough land, this is what you have to understand. Even though they were in the land of Canaan, and this is a large region. So why are they having clashes? It simply says because the Canaanites and Perizzites were dwelling in the land. In other words, the people, the Canaanites and Perizzites that they mentioned, all right, they were living, they, they controlled most of the promised land. So Abram and Lot and their servants, of course, they could only live or dwell in those parts of the promised land that was not being controlled by the Canaanites, which would be only a small portion. And since it's a small portion, what would happen? That means you're going to have the servants of Abram and the servants of Lot clashing together because of a shortage of resources. Why? Because the Canaanites are controlling the vast majority of the land. So now we are now beginning to have a confusion between Abram and Lot. That is their servants. This was causing the confusion. So let's continue. So what happened? We have the response of Abram. Verse number eight. 
So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. So Abram acts in a magnanimous way. And we're going to talk about that in more detail as we move along. And so Abram pleads to Lot, not so much as big, but he speaks to him in a gentle way. And here's what you got to remember, guys. As Abram is the elder between the two, he maintains the social authority between the two. In other words, Abram, as the older one, the uncle, with the authority over Lot, Abram can say, listen, Lot, you do this and you do that. But that's not how Abram approaches Lot nor the situation. And that's why I use the term, the magnanimity of Abraham or that Abram displays in this particular occasion. And so Abram said, let there not be a strife between you and me personally because of this stuff going on, shortage of resources, and let it not be between our employees, our servants, our workers. Let there be no strife. He says, why? Because we are blood relatives. And this isn't good for family folk to act in this manner. So what does he propose? Verse number nine. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if to the right, then I will go to the left. So Abram, that's the magnanimity. He could have said, this is what you do. And you do this. And this is how this thing is going to work between us. Because I'm the eldest and I have the right to make these particular decisions between us. But that's not what he did. Notice the magnanimity of Abraham. That's what we're talking about here. He says, the option, the freedom to choose lot younger one is yours. The whole land is before you. So notice he's offering the whole, he said, wherever you choose to go, if you choose to go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you choose to go to the right, I, he said, I give you the option on where to go and what to do. And that shows the graciousness of Abram. And it also seems to indicate a degree of faith that's operating with Abram because here's the whole point. Abram must be implicitly, inherently depending on God. So you choose where you go, make the decision based upon whatever merits or whatever optics that you're going to make it upon. And we're going to see that in the next verse, but, and no matter what you choose, I'll go in the opposite direction. Well, Abraham, how do you know things are going to work out for you in that area? He must implicitly be depending on God to take care of him. Because remember, the problem is shortage of resources. How will things play out? All right. But nevertheless, let's just go on with the text. So what happened? Verse number 10. And notice the language, the use of the language. Lot lifted up his eyes. And saw, he what? Lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zor. Now, let's just simply break it down. The reason why I wanted to bring your guys' attention to the language is it is very similar to the language that was used with the temptation of Eve. 
when she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was desirable to make one wise. So notice that rhythmic language that is used with Lot. And also, it was a negative. What do I mean? Did it turn out well for Eve in the reasons why she made her decisions? No, because man ultimately ended up being cast out of the Garden of Eden. So the same idea we can kind of feel in the text too, as Lot lifts up his eyes to those what? fertile plains of the Jordan because Lot is thinking materially and Lot is looking at how he is going to sustain himself materially and how he is going to be okay as far as his wealth is concerned. But notice that does not seem to be the mindset of Abraham maintaining his wealth. So we can already see a contrast between Abram and Lot. Abram, although he is wealthy, is not concerned about his wealth. Lot is wealthy and he's trying to do everything to maintain his wealth. That should kind of, doesn't that teach us a little something in the background? Don't worry about that. You worry about pleasing God and God will supply all of your needs. But nevertheless, let's just go back into the verse, analyze the verse, and let's look at what said Lot was looking at. So he was looking at this part of the Jordan, right? And that that's verse number 10 again, guys. It was well watered everywhere, and it's given this particular time that it was such a beautiful oasis type of a place because at this time, Sodom and Gomorrah had not been destroyed. We're not going to get into that until Genesis 18 and 19. Okay. But nevertheless, before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was a beautiful place. Notice it, it was watered. And if you remember in Genesis, it talked about the Garden of Eden having these four rivers that flowed into the Garden of Eden. Now that's well watered. So the comparison of this area was given like that, like the Garden of Eden as well as like the Delta Nile in Egypt, which overflowed its banks periodically and it became well watered. But the whole point is this, the Jordan Valley that Lot was looking at was a place of beauty and it had everything that it needed in Lot's eyes to provide and maintain his material prosperity. But there's a catch and a caveat, and we'll talk about that in the next couple of verses. So let's keep going. So what happened? Verse number 11. So Lot, looking at that watered valley, he chose for himself all the valley of these. I'll take that spot, Abram. <laughs> you get the other spot. He chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus, they separated from each other. And that just kind of speaks for itself. The Valley of Jordan, he chose that. And ultimately, he separated from Abram. Now, there's nothing wrong with the separation whatsoever. As a matter of fact, it was probably in the, no doubt, according to scripture, the mindset of God, because the promised land would be given to Abram and his seed. Lot is not the seed of Abram. So therefore, the promised land was not supposed to be given to Lot. So there's nothing wrong with Lot separating. It's the motives in how Lot separated and the place where Lot chose to go when he separated. Remember, 
Sodom and Gomorrah region. Okay. And now let's go into that particular at that point. So let's keep going. Verse number 12. We'll get to that. Verse number 12. Abram settled in the land of Canaan where God wanted him to be in the first place. We're back at that statement again. And verse number, continuing verse number 12, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now, what you have to understand is this. First, we see Lot setting, settling in the plain. And I'm not going to get into too many things too quickly, but we're going to see a movement of Lot from settling at first in the valleys of the Jordan in the plains of the Jordan. And each time Lot is moving closer and closer to the city of Sodom until once we get into Genesis chapter 18, 19 as well, we're going to find out that Lot has actually moved into Sodom. Lot is sitting as a judge in the city gates of Sodom. Lot has actually become a member of the Sodomite society. So here's the whole point in his desire to maintain his material wealth. He will cause himself to suffer spiritually greatly. And notice verse number 13. And here's where we end this discussion on this recording. Now the men of Sodom, what about them? They were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. And this is the same terminology that was used in Genesis chapter 6 when it talked about the wickedness of the human race. Remember that? The wickedness of the human race had risen to such a degree that what did God determine to do to all of humanity? Destroy it. Notice that same terminology spoken of concerning the men of Sodom. And so therefore, guess what we will see God will determine to do to Sodom? The same thing he did to the human race. Destroy it. Why? Because of the greatness of the wickedness. Now here's the point. It doesn't say explicitly that Lot knew about the wickedness of Sodom. But in the beginning, notice I just said in the beginning. But one thing is for certain, he learned. The closer he moved, remember I just told you about Lot in, Lot in the plain, ended up being a judge in the city with a house in the city. Because that's where the angels themselves came when they came to deliver Lot before they destroyed the city. In Lot's house in Sodom. So there is notice a movement from the plains of Jordan into the city of Sodom itself. So even if Lot was ignorant of the wickedness of Sodom in the beginning, he learned about it. He learned about it. And even though he learned about it, he, he thought that his material wealth was more seemingly important than his spiritual health. And he paid a great price for it. And even though we're not going to get into it, but guess what? Guess what? He ends up losing all his wealth in the end. All right, guys. <laughs> Catch you next time as we continue our study in the book of Genesis. Have you subscribed yet? What are you waiting for? Subscribe now.